your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me, we're just gonna we're just gonna get started right away. And I will say, coming up on the show in a couple of minutes, I'm gonna have the Salvation Army on, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the homeless situation in Lacrosse. But no smooth transition from homeless to plants. I want to talk plants for a little bit. It's called Happy Plants Boutique. It's open in Lacrosse. Stephanie Perry is on the phone with me. She's she's open, but she's having her grand opening on Saturday. Happy Plants Boutique. It's kind of by TJ Maxx. Uh, off Highway 16 at that strip mall there between, uh, what would you say, between Hallmark and, and something else, Stephanie? It's between Hallmark and Hair Paradise. Hair Paradise. All right. So you, And you'll see the little sign out there, the Happy Plants Boutique. Um, all right. Yep. So you're having your grand opening on Saturday. And I, I, I bring you on here because uh, new businesses always excite me. Uh, and then I, people might not know this, but I'm obsessed with plants. So I, I just sent you a picture <laughs> of how many plants I have in my Essentially, where people, normal people would have a dining room, I have a, a plant area. Um, but this is something I think is a little bit unique to lacrosse. Lacrosse has places where you can buy plants, but I think maybe uh, you have some, probably some unique plants in there, or maybe down the road, or I, what? I do try to bring in some stuff that I personally have never seen around the area. Um, I think a lot of the customers that have come in have agreed with that, that they like seeing new things that they don't find everywhere else. Um, Another kind of unique thing is that I do consignment for local artists. So I have a pretty wide variety of really cool, like we live in a very talented area. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of talented individuals. So I'm happy to be able to highlight that a little bit with their um, products in my store. So it's not just plants. Um, I also have like specialty soil blends. I have locally crafted moss poles, um, macrame hangers. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. All right, and you're having your grand opening on Saturday. Even though you're open, well, you're not open today, but you'll you'll be opening tomorrow. You're open Wednesday through Friday, noon to 6, Saturday, noon to 5, Sunday, noon to 4. Um, but at right. Happy Plants Boutique, your grand opening, what's special? What What's going down on Saturday for your grand opening? So it's actually Saturday and Sunday. Saturday specifically, um, Josh from the Dirty Dozen is going to be there doing a little pop-up, and he will have special bakery boxes that will be available from noon until he runs out. And then I'm going to have a variety of discounts throughout the store. Um, a bunch of stuff is going to be discounted on sale. There's going to be drawings for prizes, um, a free gift with purchase while, while those last. So that's kind of fun. Uh, and then um, some of the artists will be in to just kind of talk about their art. Karen from My Organic Hound. So I carry her products as well. Um, she's going to be there for a few hours, I believe, both Saturday and Sunday um, to talk about the products that she has, a bunch of CBD pet products, um, freeze-dried pet treats. She has a brand that is talk dog to me so she's got really cool t-shirts and stuff and she actually donates a portion of the proceeds from that to bailing out benji which is a nonprofit that stops puppy mills so um that's really great awesome uh yeah we're speaking with stephanie perry she's the owner of happy plants boutique are you like a do you have like a green thumb you must have obviously this is an obsession for you uh it's an obsession for me not to the point where i want to open my own store but maybe uh maybe if you need a partner but uh, like yeah, like what's your history with plants and then the, the, the motivation to opening the store? Well, um, you we were speaking briefly. You mentioned that the store used to be a bird store, and that actually was my parents' store. 
Um, they owned the Wild Birds Unlimited that was there. I ran that for them for many years. So it's customer service that is a big part of my passion. Um, and then plants on top of it. Um, I, I guess I started out, my dad is originally from Honolulu. So we've always been like outdoor plant enthusiasts. And then when we moved here to Wisconsin, there's not much of an outdoor plant season. Right. <laughs> so kind of had to draw that inside a little bit. And now, like you, I have probably 50 plants in what should be an office, but is absolutely a plant room. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just enjoy it. I guess I'm more of an enthusiast. I'm certainly not a, a scientist by any means. I, I don't have a degree, but I do love, I love plants. Is it one of the things where you know enough, though, like if people come in and, hey, you have this plant and that plant in here, how do I keep it alive? Because that's the big question yeah. that everyone wants to know is, if I, I bring this I home, do. is it going to live? I, yes, exactly. And I mean, I can't guarantee that, obviously. I can't guarantee that you will not kill your plant. But I do have um, a wide variety of tips and ideas and care tips, just information Uh, I love learning new things, so if I bring a plant in that I don't really know much about, I absolutely research it and try to find out as much as I can uh, before putting it on the floor. So, um, yeah, I'm in it it to learn with you, and yeah. Help help us along, right? Um, Do you have, have like... And I haven't been in there. I should have. I should have stopped in there before I called you up. But guess what I'm doing after the show uh, tomorrow, anyway, uh, or before the show tomorrow. But um, what kind of like the? Uh, do you have uh, any unique plants in there? Um, I'm trying to think of that big, huge, stinky plant that just bloomed in Madison not too long ago. You don't have one of those. No, uh, I don't have. I don't have one of those yet. The largest. I have a pretty large monstera that's in the window. I have a few large snake plants. They're not very unique, obviously. Um, my most unique one was the I had the white princess um, philodendron, but those I just sold the last of those um, just this past weekend. So I have some cool ones that are supposed to be coming in on my order that should be here on Thursday, but I'm not saying because it's going to be a surprise. No, okay. Um, but I do have a variety, you know, philodendrons. There's allocations. There's uh, there's I think a begonia left. I try. I think I have some begonias coming in too. I love the leaves on those. Um, is off it, the top of my head, not standing in my store, yeah, Hoyas, all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's, I do have variegated rope plants. I think there's at least two of those left, so that's pretty unique. I don't, I don't find those around here very often. Yeah, and um, it's going to be one of the things. I think maybe uh, check out the Facebook page, check out the pictures, uh, go check out the yeah. store. It's it'll be open tomorrow, and the grand opening on Saturday and Sunday with uh, Stephanie yep. Perry from Happy Plants Boutique. Um, just last question. If somebody has like, you know what, I really, I really like this kind of plant. I don't know how to get it. Can you get it for me, Stephanie? I do have a running list. Yes. I have a running list of plants that I am on, have, have my eye out for. Um, there's a couple of different vendors that I use. So depending on what's available, um, yes, I, I absolutely will keep my eye out. I also have, people have been asking me about carnivorous plants and I do hope to be getting those into the store soon. Um, I'm on a list with a company that should have them ready to go pretty quickly here. So, all right, yeah. cool. Stephanie Perry, Happy Plants Boutique uh, out there. Be- <laughs> if you're uh, the the Wendy's on Highway 16, so that strip mall. That's the best way I could say it. Where the TJ Maxx is, you'll see her there. Um, and then grand opening. What time on Saturday again? Just the regular hours, noon to five. Yep, I'm running regular hours Saturday and Sunday. All right, thanks a lot, Stephanie. I appreciate it.
Thank you. Have a great day. All right. We're going to come back, uh, talk homeless issue with the Salvation Army when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now, Michael Quam, the development director at the Salvation Army, Lacrosse County. Uh, I brought him on first. He, he's got a thing he's he wants people to come to. It's a month out, so I think we might have to hit this up in a month again uh, to just remind people about it. Uh, but I also wanted to I wanted to have a conversation with you about a couple of different things. A, what the Salvation Army does, and 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 maybe deep dive a little bit into one of the things that we all know the Salvation Army helps with is the homeless situation in lacrosse. So, Michael, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Rick, for having me. All right. Are you relatively new here to lacrosse County or to the position in the Salvation Army or maybe both? Uh, to the position in the Salvation Army, yes. Came here in February, so just a couple months ago. Um, originally moved to lacrosse back in 2007, and it's been a great place since. All right. So so the homeless situation, you, you have a little bit of experience with through the Salvation Army, but you kind of have seen... How the situation has, I, I guess, maybe grown over the last, since the pandemic, especially essentially. Yeah, in general, the, I think the pandemic amplified some of the the issues that our homeless population is facing, specifically around mental health um, and then some substance abuse addictions. All right, so we we all know that the the city, for for lack of a better term, evicted the people out of out of Huska Park a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Salvation Army. You know, but it was it was kind of insane that people had had lived there throughout the winter anyway. Um, before that, I want to say there were probably about 150 people when the city designated this the uh, Huska Park a campground. Um, how how did that go? How do you feel that situation went? I, I feel like you you might not even have been privy to that firsthand, but you probably probably listened to to your colleagues there uh, talk about how how that went with Huska Park and and having homeless people there in the campground. Yeah, I was impressed with how much better that our relationship has grown with the city um, since maybe some events that happened before, uh, particularly good communication with the Homeless Services Coordinator for La Crosse. And I, I, I have the general feeling that um, it's the start of a good partnership and it's the start of um, helping folks find resources that they need. Yeah. Do you know off the top of your head? There's there's quite a few entities in in the area in Lacrosse that that are just partially or, or fully dedicated to helping the homeless. Off the top of my head, I know you guys, Salvation Army, uh, Catholic Charities in the winter. I think is a warming center. They might not help in the after that. Um, YWCA helps out. Uh, Cooley Cap helps out. Uh, the city has hired a homeless coordinator to kind of like bring you all to the table. And and uh, I know there's a uh, the veterans group that helps homeless veterans get homes which names escapes me i don't know if am i forgetting any um the only other item i have here is independent living resources yes okay independent living resources as well so um and you guys you know with the with the homeless situation and the the city kind of bringing you all to the table how does that work does a is it a a monthly meeting just kind of like everything else or do you guys meet uh more frequently less frequently yeah there's in between, let's say, the more formalized meetings, there's always conversations going. So um, in particular, um, my counterpart, Kayla here, who is the director of social services, meets with, uh, meets with those groups regularly, both for outreach and then for um, progressing the meetings, progressing the agenda for how we 
how we continue to best serve the homeless population. Um, all right. So when and you would have been around for this when the city decided to close Huska to homeless for, you know, coming out of winter. Uh, what what happened to those people? How many do you know? I guess we probably don't have a specific number as how many people were down there. But um, do you guys like go hand out flyers or go, hey, come down to the Salvation Army. We could talk. We can figure out where because they have to go somewhere after that. Yeah. So items that we had done was with outreach. So meeting folks where they were, um, advising resources that were available, that were available to them and inviting them to the shelter. Um, our numbers have been pretty consistent, whether it was uh, during the cold season, during the winter, or even now as it's warming up. Um, and we've maintained uh, capacity or near capacity here, uh, even in the recent week. That's, I mean, that is that a little surprising or... I mean, it's it's been pretty warm, so maybe those people migrate out soon. But then again, where do they go? What happens? <laughs> yeah, I think that um, it's a little different than perhaps in prior years. When it warms up, normally people spend more time away from the shelter. We have had some folks leave and other folks come in. So when we look at capacity, it, it kind of overlooks that people leave the, leave the shelter and then come back to the shelter. Um, but there are, um, even though Huska Park may not be opened, there are still enclaves of, of homeless in the area that need our help. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So when people, when you say you're at capacity, I think you said around 50 people is, is the Salvation Army, Army's capacity. What circumstance do uh, people have to be in to get shelter at the Salvation Army? Yeah, so lots of times, I would say there's a few different reasons. Um, sometimes they've um, fallen on hard circumstances where they've lost um, perhaps their rental or perhaps they've been, um, they've lost the home that they used to own. Um, we've had some folks that have exited foster care and not known where to go next. And so that's the beauty of the shelter is that um, we invite folks in, and then through case management and others, we we help them to find their solution. All right. So when they when they get to the shelter and you've, you've decided to take them in, are they? Are they? It's not like the Catholic chari- It's not like Catholic charities where they're just sleeping there at night. Are they doing? Or are they? Like, what, how does that work? Yeah. So um, certainly, it's a shelter. So folks sleep overnight. Um, many folks that uh, live here, though, are also looking to become gainfully employed, and that's some of the social services that they're provided is how do we get folks back on their feet? How do we get them um, to be members of our society? Yeah, like self-sufficient almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they so they get in there. Um, is is 50 people it sounds like a lot of people like how many how many caseworkers is that what you call it uh you know what, what is the process if i'm if i'm homeless i the salvation army is taking me in and what is the process for uh you know essentially getting a home after that like what is the process the salvation army runs these people through to to help them yeah so we work with our uh, with fellow agencies here in the county as you had mentioned before and when they're meeting with the case managers, they're working through those items. They're working through shelter. They're working through food. They're working through um, finding work as well. And sometimes connecting folks to 
those resources is how you speed up the process for for the folks. I mean, at this point, is it? And the the I feel like the the one thing that they have to do is they have to have shelter for for a long enough time to build up. You know, like essentially, if you're just trying to get them, you know, permanent housing or semi permanent housing, and then also a, a stable job so that they can continue to pay for that housing. Uh, how long do they? How long do you think a, a person needs to to stay at a place like a Salvation Army to to get you know, onto their feet again? Yeah, rough average time frame is about ninety days, um, but that's the average. So we've had um, some folks really get on their feet much quicker, and it's less than a month. Um, and then I think of folks on the other end of the average where we recently had somebody leave shelter who had been here for ten months, but had finally found the work and um, the shelter to to move out on their own. So although the average might be around 90 days, some are far less and some are far more. We're speaking with Michael Quam. He's the de- development director at the Salvation Army in La Crosse County. Um, that, that's the key thing that, that we, we lump all these people together into one situation. It's like they're homeless. Hey, go get a job. And, and but but everybody's situation is is probably I bet everybody's situation is unique and totally different from one person to the next, right? Yeah, and and I know sometimes we say folks or we say people. Um, these people, though, are people's brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. Um, they're real people in our community, and they're they're individuals. The, the some of the hardships that that lead to these people being homeless is also these same hardships that make it impossible or semi-impossible to get a get semi-permanent housing or, or permanent housing also to get a job like i feel like uh you know some of these people might have records some of these so it would be hard to get a a job and b housing some of these people might just have i, I don't know what are like two seconds after i say everyone's an individual but the, the my next question um what are some of the bigger obstacles that these people are facing uh, to you know, to get back on their feet, I'll just say that again. But get back on their feet—that's the—that's the key phrase today, I think. Yeah, I think stability is the the I would say the overarching concept there. So when folks have their needs met, and when folks are able to provide, there's an element of it where it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If if you have support and you're able to stand up on your own, and you even if something bad comes up. If there's a resource you can reach back to, that's really the key to it. So I would say, let's back up on the question there. So when we have, when we're talking about stability and we're talking about how folks can get back up on their feet, we're talking about obstacles to doing that. Sometimes that's how the residents here at the shelter are supported by their case manager. So it's not just checking in with a person and saying, hey, you know, this happened bad, or I need you to do this for me, or um, maybe more of a, a back and forth, a, a transaction of a relationship. It's having somebody that can connect you. It's having somebody that can perhaps lobby on your behalf that these are the items we're working on, and this is what you could expect. This is how the person is picking themselves up. This is how we're working together, really with the goal of even after their journey leaves the shelter here, we're, we're still there for support later on. It's cooperation. It's getting together with folks. It's 
it's all about helping folks to form relationships back in the community so that they can survive. We're speaking with Michael Quam, the development director at the Salvation Army of La Crosse. We're going to continue this conversation in just a bit. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me, Michael Quam, the development director at the Salvation Army, just continuing our conversation on the Salvation Army's role in essentially helping homeless in the lacrosse area. Michael, how, how often do you experience an individual that maybe they wouldn't be, maybe they wouldn't come to the Salvation Army, but so, a lot of times I hear with drug addiction, with alcoholism, uh, with uh, mental health situations mental health is always the hardest one to talk about and and just like the the homeless situation or getting a job that some of these people don't want help and therefore you know they they're they're okay with the situation where they're living in a park somewhere but how do how do you reach those people yeah i think we have to turn how we're interpreting somebody wanting help so here's what i mean by that is sometimes we have expectations about how people want to be helped versus meeting the person um, in their particular circumstance. And sometimes listening um, is how you uncover the needs of what actually helps and progresses them forward. So that's where I would say sometimes we have to make sure we open our ears more than what we're telling folks what they want we may have a perfect picture of what we want for folks because we believe that people want the best and people, we always want the best for one another. But if we open ourselves to listen first and then offer advice and then offer resources, oftentimes that's a much better way to connect because we have no idea uh, what their day had been like before we encounter them. We have no idea five minutes before that. We have no idea five hours before that. So to talk before we listen is where we have difficulties in connecting with people. Yeah, I've been, I, I've talked to a few people down at the park. I've been to the cell. When this, when we had like a stretch of like 30 below days, this was a couple of years ago, I, I went to the shelter because I was just like, what, where do these people go in the winter when it's so cold? And obviously some of them are in there and I wanted to talk about their situations but then talking to the, some of these people that, you know, I had the I, I remember a guy who was too prideful to he, he used to work hard labor, you know, and he hurt his shoulder and then he couldn't do hard labor anymore. And just getting a job at a gas station or something like that wasn't something that like he felt dignified himself. So therefore, the alternative was to just not have a job and be homeless. And, and and so it was a, it was kind of a struggle to try to understand where he was coming from. So I imagine you experience you guys at the Salvation Army experience that every day when you talk to people. Yeah, it, to say no two days are the same would be an understatement. What happens when when what happens to those people when they when they leave Huska Park this winter or the this spring? Uh, did you did you see an influx of people coming in and? Um, or do they just do those people because it's kind of it's getting nicer out? Do they just kind of figure out somewhere else to go, um, which makes which to me makes it harder for you guys to kind of go and meet them where they're at? Yeah. So, yes, to both. And here's what I mean by that. We did have an influx of folks um, seeking shelter, uh, many of which we were able to to allow in um, because some folks were leaving at the same time, whether on their own um, will and want or uh, because they had um, 
progressed into out of the programs here. Um, alternatively, they're um, in working with the outreach outreach programs here in the in the county. We're able to to communicate with one another where perhaps there's new enclaves um, that homeless people are staying at, so that we can still go to meet them. It's it's full time work, but it's it's very noble work. When when the city decided to put everybody make Huska a campground and put everybody there, or, or, or I don't know, corral, there was some there was some negative terminology to how we were going to allow them to stay at Huska Park. Uh, from I feel like your group and some other groups um, was was that not the best way? Because in my head, everyone's there, so all the entities that work with the homeless, not everyone, but a lot of people are there. Then you know where they're at, and they can go there, and and you know where to go to them to seek help or to, to go and give help, I guess. Um, but from the feeling I got in talking to some of the groups that work with the homeless, that wasn't the best way to go. Can you, I don't know. What's your opinion there? I think we always have to respect um, that there's individual decision-making and similar to what we were, we had been talking about there with uh, listening before, before talking is that, as long as individuals have the ability to self-determine, that's that's a big um, that's a big part of being human. And I'm just thoroughly happy that we have better conversations now. And granted, you know, I had not been in this chair with perhaps some of those prior conversations, but I'm encouraged now with folks getting together and having communication and having contact and tackling this crisis as a team do you think as a as a media maybe as the the groups working with the homeless we we you know i've heard reasoning for to against this but we don't talk enough about the success stories that happen and some of the some of the reasoning be, be because of that is people are want to be private they don't want people to know that they were homeless and now that they're back on their feet. So it's kind of one of those privacy things. But is there is there a way to talk about like, hey, we actually are making some headway here and um, bringing this population down of people that are homeless uh, without without like, you know, invade invading people's privacy? Yeah, I would encourage um, anybody who wants to have a conversation um, to, to put the request out there and um, see who who responds. I, I know to answer your question there about, you know, in line with self-determination, sometimes folks would like for their privacy to be respected. And um, at the end of the day, we can only, we can only do as we've been requested to do. Yeah. And you said that it was about a 90 day turnaround for somebody to get in there and then maybe get out and back on their feet, which doesn't seem very long to me, but we don't talk about that a lot. Is that because the is the once they're out of there after that average 90 days and i know you said that some are in in and out right away and others take longer um do we see a lot of people coming back because things didn't work out there are some um and i think that the the sum more means that there's more of an opportunity to help them so to to provide like and i'm not suggesting that you're saying this but to think that one solution works for everyone um, would ignore the hard work that our case managers do in working with each client independently, each client to their own needs. And 
um, we can always work and hope for the best and then invite back in if, if there's more to be done. We're speaking with Michael Quam, the development director at the Salvation Army. All right, I also want to, like I, I kind of talked about how, like how the media is, is maybe does a good or a bad job covering this and and success stories. Is there is there a way that we could talk about the success stories in a in a better light without invading privacy? Is there is there something we could do? Do we can we get a report from uh, from you guys from YWCA? Hey, we you know like fifteen people got homes or got out of got out of here, got out of the shelter and. And are now making it. I don't know. Is there? I just. I feel like this. Everything we talk about with homeless is negative, and it can't be all negative. Yeah, I think you have a great idea there. Um, and so, what I'm hearing you ask for is perhaps um, putting together some information that um, would respect the individual identities, but would provide perhaps um, uh, a broader picture of some of the success. So, over a period of time, who has who has left shelter um, and perhaps um, who have found employment and who have, you know, the list could go on and on. Yeah. I think that's a a tremendous idea. Yeah. My my other thing is that we don't talk about it at all because they're homeless and we're picking on them. Everybody gets so interested in the homeless and it's, it often becomes the only talking point when I have the mayor on for, for like, we have him on once a month for three months in a row. It was the only, almost the only thing we talk about. And in my head, I'm like, well, you know what? Let the groups work with the homeless and let them figure it out. And if something like major happens, that's, that needs to be reported on, but otherwise, uh, you know, trust that the entities that are working with the homeless. So there's the, the opposite thinking here is that we don't cover it at all unless there's like a giant story. Yeah, I would think that another way to turn the narrative um, with a lot of both ourselves and our partner agencies is volunteer work. So um, if folks are, are, are truthful in requesting, hey, we want to see how things are progressing and how things are going, volunteer. Uh, by volunteering, you will be serving side by side with other volunteers as well as the staff here and staff with fellow agencies, and sometimes living and working and seeing how people are progressing through the care is the best way to turn a public opinion to to not volunteer, to not be involved, um, maybe isn't the best way to have, you know, a realistic vision of all the items that are moving. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. One other thing you, 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 with, in, in dealing with uh, or in, in helping, you know, people that are harder than lucky, you have a canteen and you mentioned to me before the show, 103 meals a day. Is that a lot that you're feeding every day? 103 seems like a lot. Um, that was actually our low number in the past couple of weeks. Um, normally we're in the hundred and some teens. Um, today was only 103. So, and that's, again, to reiterate the previous point, that's volunteers helping us to serve meals. And it's um, anybody in the community can stop by for a meal. Um, oftentimes, more than often, it's the folks that have the most need that will stop by and, and request food and request request nourishment. Um, yeah. And at the canteen, is it just like a lunch or is there is it more than one meal time? Um, the canteen is just lunch. It's available um, 11 to 12, 37 days a week. Okay. 
Um, and then, you know, just the, the other thing that I w- you know, wanted to talk to you quick about, and we should just mention it in a month from now, but you guys are going to have Party in the Park at Myrick Park, uh, May 19th. What's, what's the party about? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's a community event, um, and it actually follows the week-long National Salvation Army um, week of the week there. A little redundant, but um, it's centered around awareness for the Salvation Army, and it also includes... Um, items about our outreach with critical programs and services within La Crosse County. So it's a free event to the community. Um, in putting this together, um, we've been working with sponsors in the community, um, with area businesses, to provide the event without cost. So um, big items about it. There's going to be music down there. There's going to be children activities down there. There's free food. Um, there is also a bouncy house that we'll have that uh, will look like a giant red kettle. So there's more details to come, but uh, I would expect to see some of those save the dates come out here shortly. And we would encourage anybody in the community that would like some free food and some free music um, and some free children's activities to come down and visit us May 19th from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, Just to clarify, is the bouncy house for kids or can adults do it? Um, I'm thinking it's kids only, but, um, yeah, it's probably kids only. Yeah. There's nothing like a good adult bouncy house. Like, can we do one of those once in a while? I know the kids need their entertainment, but I, you know what? I want some entertainment too. I want to go in a bouncy house. I I love where your head's at on that. I just know that if I told you, okay, I would break your heart when you would show up and told you you couldn't. Right. Definitely. I think free food will do it for me though. Uh, that's Michael Kwan, the development, development director at the Salvation Army in La Crosse County. Thanks Mike. Hey, thank you. All right, we're going to wrap up when we come back. All right, that's going to wrap it up for a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Michael Kwam from the Salvation Army and Stephanie Perry from Happy Plants Boutique, which I will be going to tomorrow probably before the show. We'll see. We'll see. Sometimes I'm busy. Um, but they have their grand opening on Saturday if you didn't hear the beginning of the show uh, there's a plant shop in La Crosse, and I know there's there's a lot of different like plant areas to, I, I guess, businesses in the area to get plants. But the, like the the unique plant shop, I often have to go to Winona. There's a couple in Winona that I go to, and there's oddly enough, there's one in Galesville. It's a pretty cool plant shop out there. It's like a plant shop and a co- uh, it's a plant shop and a coffee shop as well. Uh, I really like that place too, but they're not right here in town, you know, so you got to drive a little ways. So this is cool. I'm I'm excited to go check out that place. And just recapping the conversation I had with Michael Quam, uh, interesting to hear, you know, the uh, number of people that are still seeking shelter at the Salvation Army. He said they're at capacity, 50 people, and they're doing 103 meals a day at lunchtime at the canteen. Um so definitely still an issue here in the area. And yeah, I'm, I am a little like, how, how do you, how do you talk about it? How do you cover it without like a invading somebody's privacy and B just making them, you know, pointing and, and often people, oftentimes people just kind of like point and look at that homeless person. And it's, they're kind of an attraction, so to speak, like they're, they're center stage almost. They always get attention on social media And so the other half of me is like, well, maybe we should just leave those people alone and let the entities that help the homeless do their job. 
And if something happens, we could report on it. But other than that, just trust that the YWCA and Catholic Charities and Salvation Army and City of La Crosse and um, the other, I'm missing a couple of groups now, uh, but just trust that they're going to do what it takes to to help these people get back up on their feet, right? This the phrase of the day, get back up on their feet. Anyway, so I appreciate him coming on and, and talking a bit about that homeless situation. On the flip side, I do I do kind of like to know how they're doing and, and how those groups are handling the, the situation. Is, is it, and where, where are the success stories, right? Is it coming down the numbers or going up? So anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> 